Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, lawmakers, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week's episode is a panel discussion Lewis participated in at the National Cannabis Industry Association's Seed to Sale Institutional Capital Forum that just took place in Boston. Lewis participated in a panel moderated by friend of the show and president of the Forefront family, Chris Crane. Lewis was joined on the panel by John Lindsay Phelps from RLM Public Relations. Chris led a rollicking conversation about the communications challenges and opportunities in the cannabis industry. This was quite the interesting conversation, so don't sit back, lean forward. Now, on to the show. Thank you for those of you who have stuck it out. Very cool. Um, so... We're not going to do a sort of presentation style. I figured it's a 30-minute quick panel for a devoted few. Um, so just do it sort of conversation style. Um, for those who don't, do I know everybody out here? I don't. Um, <laughs> Whatever would add the most value for the seven people we have in the room, right? Yes. So my name is Chris Crane. I'm the president and co-founder of Forefront Ventures. Uh, we're a multi-state operator um, in the uh, in the space, operational currently in uh, five states, well, operational in four, licensed in five states, and uh, about to be nine. Um, so, uh, and, and we are doing quite a bit in the PR space. Actually, we work very closely with KCSA and Lewis and his team. Uh, so I'm happy to be moderating this, and I think we'll pass it off to you guys, and you can introduce yourselves, a little bit about your backgrounds, and well, uh, I've got a list of questions here we'll just jump right into. Great. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for sticking around for this. So, I'm John Lindsay Phillips. I'm the executive director of RLM PR. We're a full-service, top-shelf, uh, New York City-based PR firm. We, we're highly specialized in new categories, emerging industries, and launches. So, obviously, the cannabis space is a really exciting uh, uh, area for us. We've been in the space about five years now. We work with... Um, entities of various kinds. We have some CPG clients. We have some global standalone consumer brands. Uh, we work with uh, events like State of Cannabis, uh, Long Beach on the Queen Mary. Um, I don't know if you guys, anybody caught Smoke Wallen uh, yesterday. Uh, vertical companies here. Smoke is a, a client of ours. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we, we're really having a great time in the space and we, we feel we've been able to prove a lot of value and get a lot of great case studies out of the folks we're working with and, uh, I'll turn it over. Cool. So I'm Lewis Goldberg. I'm a partner, one of the owners of KCSA Strategic Communications. We've been in the space for about six years. Um, we represent uh, a large swath of the MSOs, the multi-state operators, companies like Acreage Holdings, Cureleaf, clearly Chris's company, um, and others. We work with um, other the entire ecosystem of the, the, the cannabis industry from companies like Kush um, and Urban Grow. Literally, we, we touch the entire the entire supply chain, um, and we do both public relations and investor relations. So we we talk to the capital markets. We we think that we stand at the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. And we also host a weekly podcast. I'm one of the hosts of it called The Green Rush, where we interview guys like Chris. Chris has been a regular, um, and also people like Bruce Linton or Congressman Dana Rohrbacher ex-congressman, thankfully, Dana Rohrbacher, and <laughs> Congressman Earl Blumenauer. Um, so, you know, we really see the entire 
the, the entire cannabis space and work with um, our clients to use communications to achieve business objectives, whether it's increased valuation or increased liquidity to help um, soften the ground from a sales and marketing perspective, you kind of name it, we do it. Don't forget crisis comms, which has been an interesting roller coaster for us. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Have a question about that here, actually. Yeah. Um, so before we get into that stuff, though, let's let's start at the beginning. Um, I mean, this is not your only, for both of you, this is not your only PR work that you do. Um, I'd be curious to hear what what's different about cannabis PR than any other business clients you guys have. You want to go first? Sure. Um, well, you know, obviously, um, a couple of great points that, that you brought up as well. I mean, in terms of using um, all the prongs of the services in my toolkit uh, to help clients achieve business goals, I thought a great one was, you know, uh, road shows and investor relations and, you know, capital raise, really using media relations and content and own media and all the tools at my disposal to help, you know, companies that are very aggressively raising capital. That's true for any sector, technology, new media, you know, biomed, uh, whatever, but especially in this space. Um, I find that um, you know it's really exciting for for our clients to understand just how effective we can be and uh, helping achieve some of those goals. And then obviously you've got you know you've got a highly regulated landscape, so oddly regulated, oddly, oddly, and and highly, and and you know that's another consideration. Obviously with you know marketing materials and you know campaigns of, of any any scope. Um, so you know obviously having you know experience. Um, with that is is something that's you know welcome uh, for for our clients, um, and then uh, I, don't, I don't know. What do you I'd think? argue that there's absolutely nothing different about doing PR for cannabis than doing PR for any other industry, as long as you understand the rules, the the framework that you're operating in. Um, you know, I said it's an oddly regulated space. It is oddly regulated because you have federal prohibition on one hand and then state and local acceptance on the other. And then when you have state acceptance, you have local communities who won't accept it. So if you understand what the regulatory framework is, the communications tools are exactly the same. Yeah, There's no difference between pitching, you know, Bill Alpert at Barron's, who is an investigative journalist who's now covering cannabis, than pitching Bill Alpert about banking or about gaming or consumer packaged goods. The reporters are reporters. The bookers at CNBC are the same. So there's no difference as long as you understand the language and the, the, the framework. Um, and I think the reason why you guys have been successful, why KCSA is successful, is because we are not cannabis PR firms. We are strategic right. communicators who use the same tools to uh, uh, to achieve objectives for cannabis companies. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's all about those the tools and the networks, right? It's yeah, like, I mean, it's and it's not even necessarily the network. Like we don't. When we started five years ago, there were no cannabis reporters. There were no sure. beat reporters at CNBC. Right, helping you guys help turn them into those. Encouraging right? outlets and to so establish a beat is actually very yeah. important. Yeah, I mean that's something that we do, and that's a sector agnostic best practice for us, right? Yeah. Whenever there, I mean, I mentioned emerging industries and new categories and launches. We are in the business of encouraging outlets to understand that there is a beat that, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to establish yet. Mm -hmm. So I mean, we're we're in the podcasting space at RLM. We're, we work with the world's leading independent podcasting company, Wondery, uh, who just launched Over My Dead Body yesterday. You should check it out. It's the new Dirty John. The oh, awesome. I'm going to listen to it on my drive up to Vermont tomorrow. <laughs> Do it. Um, but, you know, to your point, I'm always trying to lean on a, a new player at, at an outlet, you know, like we help Fast Company get off their ass and realize they need to establish a podcast beat. You know, we're literally mm -hmm. going around to folks that, that, that really should be on top 
top of this and encouraging them to get their act together. Yep. I think you're exactly right. I mean, it, it, there's a, a, a slate of programs and services and best practices that, you know, if we were talking about, you know, marketing and PR campaigns for any sector, I would want to say, well, let's check off all these boxes that have nothing to do with the cannabis space and make sure that, you know, our, 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 our clients are doing those things first. And generally, every industry thinks they're, the, they're unique and yeah. different. And they are. It's like I love all my children the same, right? But every industry has the same business objectives. Yeah. Sell product. If you're a public company, increase liquidity or valuation. Brand the tool, awareness, brand, brand awareness. Yeah. yeah, right, totally. Whatever it is, recruit and retain employees. Yeah. Soften the groundwork for M&A. Yeah. Well, all those objectives are the same for CPG, for pharma, for banking, and for cannabis. And well, to your point, the relationships are, are key there too, right? So there's going to be different names and faces that you're going to want your firm. You know, again, it, it's all helpful for guys like us to understand, you know, who you guys are and and you know what what you may or may not be looking to achieve with marketing communications. But you know, when it comes to the digital virtual Rolodex of, of folks, I mean that that is a, a factor. But you know, to bring it all back home, it's you know that's secondary to everything else that we're talking about. Yep. I mean, the relationships are gonna be there with the firm that's gonna get that the other piece right. They're gonna know yep. the right people. So you've both been in this for a few years now. What, what have you seen changed in terms of the PR landscape when it comes to cannabis, cannabis companies? Uh, I'll answer it two ways. Um, the first on the media side, there's a lot less tittering behind their hand saying, this is a weed company. Right? They, they, have, they are starting to understand that you're a business, right? You are a multi-million dollar, and many of these companies that are here are multi-billion dollar valued companies. They have to be treated that way. So you start seeing less of the snickering, less of the silly um, headlines, and much more serious analysis. I mentioned Bill Alpert. You know, there's no way that Barron's would have looked at cannabis four years ago. There were public cannabis companies four years ago. The CSE has been listing companies uh, since 2012. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they would do that, but there has been a, a, a realization that the 75 to $100 billion illicit market is rapidly becoming licit, right. and as such, they need to cover it. And the reason they need to cover it is at some point, these guys are going to be buying ads in Business Week, and they're going to be buying full-page ads in the Wall Street Journal, and if there isn't a beat, then the salespeople can't sell against that. Um, and on the other side, to answer your question, and I'll let you jump in a second, oh. John, is that the, the companies are taking this more seriously, right? Mm -hmm. They are not hiring pot PR firms. They're hiring strategic communications firms that understand how to use the levers of communications to achieve business objectives. And you're seeing companies of scale, right? You're seeing Forefront, you're seeing Curalief, you're seeing Acreage, you're seeing these companies that are multi-state operators that have aspirations not only to be a national player, but international player. They need to be they need to communicate like the company that they aspire to be, not like the companies that they are. Yeah. Well, you covered a, a lot of great ground there. I mean, I, I think to me, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk take, a lot. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to in this business. But. It's a helpful skill. But, but you have to have value. you got to talk talk a lot, but you got to talk good. Yes. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say that education is still so important right on the media side, right? So, you know, we talked about establishing beats at venues of, of import to our clients. Um, you know, a big part of that is, uh, again, which, you know, it, it is something that's rapidly changing in this industry in terms of outlets, you know, learning why they should be in this business, uh, but also how to be in this business, right? I mean, really getting the right, you know, I know Bill, work with him all the time, right? I mean, there, there are a lot of very senior reporters who are, you know, 
on a crash course to really add value and fundamentally understand where their voice can you know enhance these conversations but it's the job of, of guys like us to put together teams that can you know our, my client is the media as well as 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 my retainer client right so yeah. what's really important for me is to uh, add value to the the media audience and make these reporters these beats understand that you know, when I call them, when I write them, I'm going to help educate them uh, on, you know, breaking news and trends and, you know, things happening in the space that are going to really allow them to delight their audience and to add, you know, educational value to the pieces that they're going to write. So um, I guess I, the biggest thing that I've seen in, in the, you know, in recent, you know, the past, especially maybe two years is a very markedly improved commitment on the, on the media side to really allocate the resources uh, and the brain power and the human capital to get there quickly and to really, you know, establish a program to cover this industry. But there are definitely, definitely outlets that have yet to really embrace this, right? In a, in a shocking way. I mean, I look at the New York like, Times. Yeah, like, I was going to say, like who? Yeah, the New York Times has done a shockingly shitty job of this. They have. Although um, they did that massive series, it was a couple of, was it three years ago or so now, where they did the whole the case for legalization, where they ran a series yeah, of board. Yeah, uh, but they don't have a beat reporter. They have right, freelancers right. who write for them, but they don't have a full-time beat reporter. Well, I mean, right. that huge CBD uh, uh, piece that they did in the style section that had my client Foria was just really sophomoric and badly done for the New York Times. I mean, it was it was disappointing. Well, and you look uh, at and you look at the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. They you know they cover the space out of Toronto because that's where the CSE is, right. and they cover it out of LA a little bit, but they don't also have a, a like a New York City-based reporter who's covering it from the capital markets perspective, which right. I, I find absurd. Well, I'm going to take the Times, for example, real quick. I'll just say, uh, you know, if, if you guys are familiar with Nate Popper, I don't know if you guys have read him, but to, to your point, you know, the Times um, will do a cannabis story very inconsistently. There's not a dedicated team, right? That's a, you know, the brain trust over there. I leaned on Nate to write a story about Vertical, which ended up on the front page of the business section of the New York Times, which was a, a, a long lead profile of the town of Needles. A nice humble brag. A humble brag, yeah. Well, I mean, you want specifics. Uh, I think that's important. That that story, you know, um, we had to, it was like pulling teeth. It was saying, look, you've got a situation where a CPG has gone to the desert southwest in Needles, California, where Vertical has the Colorado River and unlimited water and power in the backyard of their production facility there. And we had to really make him see that this this is a human interest story about a dying desert town that, you know, is, is getting involved with an industry that it can, you know, bet on for the next 20 years. And yet you really have to make a very hard run at these people to at the times to make them understand why these are important stories. Whereas I think in, you know, 18 months, I don't know if it's post, you know, federal prohibition or, or whatever post-prohibition relief. You know, these are stories that in any other industry uh, you would see happening but at the journal. At, but you look at Bloomberg News, right? Yeah. Bloomberg has done a phenomenal job of this. They have. That's what I was going to ask. Who's, who's doing it right? That's well, good, it, it yeah. depends. So at, uh, at Bloomberg, Bloomberg has completely jumped in. Market Watch is great. You know, you've got um, you've got you've got uh, four or five dedicated. You've got Jeanette. You've got uh, Kiana writing profiles now. Molly Fool is doing a good job. Molly. It really it depends. Forbes. For, well, Forbes. Forbes is, hey, look. Yeah. Some, somebody <laughs> on this panel has a, a, a basically a weekly column that's one of the most read <laughs> columns, and you know, not weekly, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, a couple times a month. And by the way, his stuff gets read by the president. So you know, one article. Hey, whatever. The one with his name in it. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's how you get him to read. Yeah. Something. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but 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 like the LA Times does a good job of it. CNBC's fantastic. They, uh, yeah. you know, yes. they're, they're a great broad, broadcast. Yeah. 
Yeah, please. Yeah, go ahead. Open. Yeah. It's very intimate. Uh, it's all intimate. Whatever's here, gonna help you guys the most. Yeah. That, those are success stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not success stories, but those they got it pretty fairly early. CNBC po- had their for and, and fun. Uh, well, the first time I got somebody on CNBC was 2014, um, and we were. Gretchen over there who works with me. We were arguing about who was first. Um, we got a grower on, um, and the reason why the grower was on was he was part of a team that was bidding on the New York State license, and the producer of Squawk on the Street um, had a, a personal relationship with the need for the plant, an ed- a medical need for the plant, and he made it his personal goal to help educate the guys like Andrew Ross Sorkin and Becky, Becky Quick and, and, and the like. Um, and that opened the floodgates. The other thing is, um, when Canop- what really fundamentally changed, I think, was Canop- the, the initial Constellation investment, the $400 million that Constellation put into Canopy. Um, when you have a Fortune 500 company that is investing hundreds of millions of dollars, yep. that, that made the business financial press sit up and say, okay, this is serious shit, right? And then when they, when, when Canopy listed, Aurora listed, Kronos listed, Tilray listed on the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, they're like, okay, these are multi-billion dollar companies we have to pay attention. And if I can piggyback, I'd like to talk about, you know, to your question, folks who are doing a bad job, but just like with PR, you know, in, in any sector, you made a point about evangelical champions that have a vested interest in seeing their outlet cover for personal reasons, you know, mm-hmm. human interest or, or whatever. Um, you know, the the first time that I did Fast Money with my one of my CPG clients, it's, it's a platform at CNBC, you know, I, I had to hit him with the kitchen sink. I had to say, well, this is a California-based company that can also come in and add value to your audience and talk about the wildfires in their backyard right now, right? So you really got to pull out all the stops in a way that is true for other sectors. I mean, you know, you're not just going to get a booker to pay attention to you. and It's a crowded field in any lane that you're in. But in this industry right now, you really have to put a package together, just absolutely overwhelms a booker or, or senior editor and says, look, you know, we're going to hit these notes that are, you know, uh, you got you to cover the waterfront, essentially. You got to tie it to the news cycle. You got to tie the story to trends in the space, but also greater uh, uh, points of interest to a wider audience beyond you know the evergreen messages of your client. And market cap matters. Big, big time. If you're a public company on, on the CSC, yep. you must have a $700 million market cap. Mm-hmm. You don't. You're not getting on CNBC. You're not getting on Fox Business. You're not getting on Bloomberg. It's actually easier to get on as a private company than as a public company That's because right. they don't. They the the outlets don't want to pop the stock, right? So if you have a uh, a great story, a company that's just killing it, um, and has a three hundred million dollar market cap, and they're sitting there, you know, uh, on on Fast Money or or you know Kramer, uh, Kramer, and the stock will pop fifty percent. And they, the bookers don't want to see that. The producers don't want that to happen. 10% is cool, right? 10% move is fine. 50%, it could be 100%. They don't want that. You should, so, so, should check out the street. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow, uh, read thestreet.com, which is uh, you know associated with Kramer and the Journal. But they've actually done a fantastic job. Uh, well, at yeah, least and that targets a different audience, right? The, the street targets a, a, a retail audience. Right. And, and, yeah. and you know CNBC would say that they're an institutional audience. Would yeah. say they're an yeah. institutional audience. All right, so seven hundred million dollar valuation. Get on CNBC. I'm gonna hold you to that in a couple months, though. No problem. All right, done. <laughs> I'll, I'll do. Uh, yeah, you're. Trust me, you're not the only one of my clients. Who I know, I know. I don't, I don't give you a hard time too often. Um, I deserve all right. it. All right, silly question, but you brought it up before. What 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 is the worst pot pun you've seen in print? <laughs> <laughs> 
God. Oh, my God. Um, when John Boehner joined the board of Acreage Holdings, um, the New York Post um, uh, of course it's uh, the New York Post. Uh, said something like, "Is Boehner high? Boehner, Boehner gets high on Acreage or something like that." And they had a uh, the the art was they took his picture, they put a uh, a bandana on him, they put a joint in his hand. I mean, it was like it was every bad pun you could possibly imagine. <laughs> it was a great story, but the you know oftentimes and that's the other thing is oftentimes the headline doesn't match the body text, right? Because they're two different people. Well, that's the, by design, essentially, in a lot of yeah. cases. Well, it's clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the but the headline writer is not the per, it's not the journalist. The journalist doesn't write the headline, so you'll get stuff like that. What is the silliest one you saw? So I'll give you two. Uh, well, I'll give you a case, and then it also speaks to another question, um, which is you know venues that are covering uh, our industry you know well and not and in between. So Business Insider, you know, great reach, you know, a fantastic venue overall. I, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, Business Insider did a an exclusive story for um, one of my clients. I mentioned earlier, Foria, a standalone brand out of uh, Venice, California, that is in the suppository uh, and tincture. How about topical and adult use? Topical and adult use. Well, right. So we did a, a coming out story for them that was announcing a 400 patient population self-reporting, you know, group. Uh, a Harvard, essentially, a Harvard study. Harvard. Yeah, Harvard Harvard doctor study that was looking at a 400 patient group self-reporting population on endometriosis and menstrual cramps and all this stuff. And we did a very scientific, you know, process with them. We we really went through, you know, just very buttoned up. And then to his point, the the headline, you know, we've we've got a Harvard doctor, we've got all this stuff. It ends up being, you know, weed tampon. Um, I, I can't even remember the rest of the headline, but it had weed tampon in it, and we were just like, "Oh God!" I mean, and then the next thing you know, I sold a shit ton of it, though. It did. I mean, uh, absolutely. And the story got a lot of clicks, and we re repurposed the, the hell out of it, and everybody was happy. But our client initially was shocked, and they thought they were going to lose their relationship with the Harvard doctor that was doing the study because it trivialized, to your point, a very meaty academic story. Uh, and, and undercut it in a way that, you know, once you read the article, you were like, this is a great academic story that adds a lot of value and a lot of fronts, but the headline didn't really tell that yeah. story. So, Yeah, we got a few more minutes. So it's going to open up to uh, okay. more questions here. Yeah. 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 Well, he has that because he was a former New York Times reporter, so he was able to get that. He has all those relationships. And on the other side, he was able to, he made a really, really weakly argued argument um, that goes against the trend, right? He wrote a, 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 you know, a man bites dog piece on cannabis where all of the news has been, for the most part, positive for the last five, six, seven years. You know, basically since 2012, when, when Colorado and Washington voted for adult use, it's been a freight train. So he said, I'm going to step in front of the freight train, and I have the... The, the contrarian story. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. That's well, what they're just, they're, yeah. yeah, there there have been, I mean, there have been virtually no, like, books written by, you know, quote-unquote, credible people on the negative side of this issue in a long time. Uh, because they're full of shit. Right, because, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And he, and he is yes. a, a New York Times best-selling author for murder mysteries, right? And he has standing as an investigative journalist. And, and his story behind this book was, I did all this research because of my wife. Right. 
Well, and Malcolm Gladwell jumping on and helped uh, really boost that. Yeah. And I know Malcolm Gladwell, and I was stunned by that. I was really sad about that one. I was, yeah. yeah, but I love his podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Revisionist history is great. Not as good as the Green Rush, but it's still pretty good. (laughs) It's it's, it's all close. Yeah, close close second. Anyone else want to jump in here before we, we wrap up? All right, so then if, if there's nothing else from the, the audience, I would ask one, one sort of final question, which is uh, if you have to give a prospective cl- or client or prospective client you know, one tip or the most important thing that they need to know when engaging in PR activity, what, what would that be? Part so when we start, it's, a, it's the right question to ask. Um, I'm not going to say it's a good question because, of course, it's a good question. Um, but in framing any public relations program. You have to ask four questions. The first question is, who's the audience I'm trying to influence? What's the call to action? What do I want that audience to do? How much education does the audience need to receive before they are amenable to doing the call to action? And then what does a win look like? Right? You have to know what victory is yeah. before you can get there. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, okay, these are the building blocks I need to get to a win. But if I don't know who I'm trying to influence, I don't know what they want them to do and what a win looks like, then, then you're going to waste your money on a PR firm. Uh, I, I will dovetail or piggyback on that. So, it, you know, if you're, if you're going to look at what are what do I need to look for in terms of selecting a firm or what are my expectations out of a campaign, I am the executive director of a firm that runs towards metrics measuring success and KPIs, right? So uh, I think that that is a discussion in, in the PR world that is often, you know, not a popular one with, with firms. It's not one that a lot of firms run toward. That is uh, something that, that we run toward because we believe in using these tools to really be able to present tangible, measurable success to our clients and be able to demonstrate how our services directly impacted their business. So I think asking what are the metrics, what are the KPIs, how do we measure success, it's extremely important. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is sector agnostic, but especially key Key. performance indicator. Um, And then I think what what dovetailed with with what you said is, um, you know, what what are the business goals we're trying to achieve or what does success look like? And before we measure it, it's, you know, what, what are we trying to do? And really, if you look at a firm, you need to understand, are they proven? Do they have the case studies? Have they been able to do this for other companies in your lane? You know, and, it, and if so, um, might there be a conflict there? I mean, do they already have four, you know, CPG clients or do they have, you know, eight CBD clients? You know, are they going to be able to tell unique bespoke stories? Oh, for I you? don't agree with that, Did, actually. Well, I, I'll say and this. I'll tell you why. Yeah. So, so um, David Falk represents the vast majority of the NBA, right? Scott Boris represents the vast majority of Major League Baseball. If they have the resources to do it, it's then it's not even great. necessarily the resources. It's the ability to to both define and differentiate, right? right? So when you represent, I represent many multi-state operators, right? I don't pitch all of them at the same time. You, you said it to clarify. Can you yeah. put a bespoke program together for each one of yes. those clients that lets them shine yeah. individually, even though they're in the same category? 100%. So that's that's right. what I meant to say. He's exactly right. You, you can work with a firm that has eight other CBD clients if you are a you know, CBD, CBD company, but you need to understand that they're capable, and, uh, capable. when I meant the resources, I meant the, the, the ideation, the strategy, the human capital on your team to be able to put a bespoke plan together for you that will allow you yeah. to succeed in your lane and tell stories that are unique to your firm. So I guess that's the Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the other thing is working for a company with you or with us who has exposure in the space is we know the right people and we can, you know, if I'm working on a story for a, a a packaging company, and I'm talking to the journalist at Bloomberg, I'm also talking to him about five or six other clients yeah. at the same time. 
that's the value of working with companies that have exposure in the space. I have to agree with him. So, so if you're looking at the other side, <laughs> the, so the other side of the coin that he's talking about is, you know, look, because I, because firms like ours are highly specialized and very, you know, have a lot of expertise, we're able to say, look, I'm going to pitch a roundup, or, or you know, I'm going to have five of my clients get inclusions in one feature because not only do I work with this reporter all the time, but I'll pitch a story that is just my clients, right? Because I, I can. Yeah. So that's a that's another reason why it is sometimes might be a good thing for you to select a firm that has a lot of other players in your kind of similar lane. You just want to make sure that they can, you know, manage the upside and the downside. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for sticking right, cool. it out. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Cannabis. Cannabis.